Hello and welcome to another podcast episode with your host, Christy Scanlon. After a short break moving house, I am back with a fantastic conversation with Kendall Ebanks. Kendall is a male performance coach who specializes in helping men identify and embody their most powerful selves. In this episode, we discuss the importance of having a strong identity, how to build healthy relationships, and the power of self-reflection. Before this episode starts, please follow and rate the podcast on Spotify and iMusic, and you can follow me, Christy Scanlon, on Instagram. Enjoy the show. So, Kendall, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me on. I've been, been excited, been looking forward to getting on with you. My first question is, how did your career begin and how did that relate to the Performance Lab? Well, my career, you know, one day I was uh, I was actually at work. I used to work in the bank for a short bit of time and the Olympics was actually on TV. And there was one fighter from the Caribbean name was Toriano Johnson from the Bahamas. Sitting there watching the Olympics, watching Olympics and boxing. And, you know, I just said that day, I'm going to the Olympics. And that was the start of my path to pursuing my Olympic dream. You know, I just thought it was so amazing. Thought um, the Olympics was just, was just everything. So that became a dream of mine to pursue that and experience a, a Olympic closing ceremony. Um, yeah. And I just dove full time into boxing from there and, yeah, that was it. I never did make the Olympics. I made it London Olympic qualifier, fell short right before London Olympics, but such is life. But say all that to say, that took me so far and my career then ended up turning into a business thereafter once I finished up my boxing career, created a performance lab, you know, for other athletes that want to perform at that high level. And, you know, it just became a place of fitness and health and mindset and just driving forward, you know. So taking that career, putting it into a business is where I'm at right now. So you said that you were in a bank and you're inspired by seeing the Olympics on TV. Talk to me about the mindset transition there and how did that become a, a reality for you? Well, for mindset transition, I've always been a very, very driven person. I, and I can kind of boil that back to my father. You know, I'll, I'll say that, you know, he's the hardest work I ever met. So anything that I would do, he tell me, you know, go in, go 100% at it. Whatever you do, do it good, do it right, do it great. And, you know, just, just shifting from being in the bank in a short period of time, you know, it, it's a much different activity, right? And I got into it and I say, you know, this is it. Put in my resignation, resigned out of the bank. And I said, I am going in full time. I took all my savings, everything, started dialing, like fully focused in the gym. And just, it was just a, like a on switch click, you know, full 100% into boxing. And that's, that's the mindset shift. You just got to be committed. You got to be consistent. You got to be focused. And that's where I shifted into just like a flip of a switch. But kind of anywhere in my life, that's that's the avenue that I will shift into. You're you're in a position of employment and you yeah. have to change your identity. You have to change the way that you live completely. Um, big yeah. risk as well within that. Talk to me about that process. Did, did anything kind of stand out during that, that period? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely the the, the social aspect of it is it's it's a bit crazy because I had so many people before I actually got into the sport full time saying, you know, no, nah, like you know, don't go into that. You're not gonna go into that. You're gonna fail at doing it, right? So, but that gave me a lot of fuel. That gave me a lot of drive because, mm-hmm. like, pretty much no one believed in the process. No one believed in it was a doable goal, especially getting to the level that I, that I got to. Um, so I 100% went into it saying, hey, there is only a plan. A, there is no plan. B, no plan. C, no nothing else. It is do or die. And that was it. And that's, again, every aspect of my life, I do it to that standard. Do or die. I'm willing to go out there and die for it. So it was just a, a full dial and full shift into my my goal and what I wanted to pursue. You kind of said at the beginning around um, you were very driven as a person. Did that kind of align with that process, or did you have to maybe train your psychological state? I'm intrigued on 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 that uh, position from a mindset point of view. I wouldn't necessarily say I had to to train it. Uh, simply because you know I, I've been through you know I, I got to mention a bike but I've been through so many other experiences in life where I had to just be that direction be that one-way freight train forward it is do or die in, in in everything that I do so I wouldn't necessarily say I had to train it Um, it was there and again that that came from again my my father put me in positions of if you're going to do something do it right do it 100% go all in you know so now, I had to shift into other aspects of the mind where I had to block out, hey, you know what, there's, there's doubters on the inside. Everybody wants to see you fail. Every, no one believes in you that you're just going to get up one day and say, hey, I want to go to the Olympics. And then that's what you pursue, right? You have to shift your mind. And, and instead of taking that doubt, you take that doubt as fuel. And that becomes a drive and a motivation factor to say, hey, I got people to prove wrong because I, I believe in myself. Right. So now I got to drive forward and make sure that number one is here. And I take this full belief and I take it forward. All the doubters, all the naysayers, that's just fuel. That's really the only shift that I had to make. Well, for people listening to this, they might be in a position where it's not necessarily sport. It could be other avenues. It could be business. It could be working in education, for example. And they still have that inner voice where they may want to discover no ideas, but they doubt themselves in terms of that transaction and that transition that you kind of mentioned. What advice would you maybe give to those that um, have that inner voice in terms of an awakening, but don't necessarily seem to fulfill that or kind of pursue that as a as a journey that you want to go down? Any thoughts on that? Just because uh, it kind of relates to your experience in, in terms of that transition. Oh, for sure. I'm part of my cursing here for a second. But in life, I always say we have two critics. You got your inner bitch and you got your inner beast, right? And they will always be there. And this has happened to me in so many different avenues in life. Happened to me with the career. It also happened to me with business and businesses, I should say, Um, because right now we're sitting in my second business. So your inner bitch is always going to be that one that is fearful, that is doubtful, that procrastinates. I say, oh, man, I don't really know if I can do this. You know, that's all that fear and doubt is coming up. Then your inner beast is the one that's saying, you know what? Fuck fear. We're driving forward. We only fail if we don't try. Right. We are going after this and I'm going to pursue this 100 percent. So I would say to anyone out there that's that's thinking of doing, whether that's a sport, whether that's in business, whatever it is, you know, you are going to have two critics, but you have to choose and listen to your inner beast. Because just think about this. Life is a journey. 
right? Life is a journey. And who do you want as your passenger on that journey of life? The inhibition saying, no, man, we're going to crash when we go down the road. We're going to fail. Like, hey, let's pull over right now and stop. Let's not do anything. Or do you want that inner be saying, let's rock and roll, my man. We're going to get this done. I don't care if I fail, but we're going to try as hard as we can. And, and that's it. So my drown. Let's go. Who do you want as your passion? The, 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 the positive one or the negative one? Do you have any techniques around staying disciplined and productive within within that process? So I'm just intrigued, really, because um, you have a goal, you set your agenda out and you mentioned different uh, competitions and uh, there's a consistency required to compete uh -huh. and stay consistent with uh, gym work, diet, et cetera, and all the other apparatus that comes with professional and elite sport. Any techniques to stay disciplined and productive? from that experience well what i would say in regards to discipline discipline is a very very hard thing right a lot of people get motivated they get inspired but it's discipline that is really the key factor because you're not going to feel motivated you're not going to feel inspired every single day but those are the days you got to tell yourself hey i need to live to my full potential i need to live my full life if i choose today to not be disciplined and not go out and get this workout in or, or not finish this project or eat like shit today i am taking myself away from the goal i'm going backwards compared to going towards the goal so discipline it, it really boils down to like you know how badly do i want this goal that i have do i want to live the life that i see the vision that i see the vision that i have Right. Discipline is the one that's going to allow you to get up and do what needs to be done in those times you don't feel like doing them because trust and believe you will not feel like doing it a lot of times. But it's the discipline, that factor there that gets you through it. So just really it's a lot of self-talk, you know, it's, it's really how badly do you want it? So one thing that kind of hits me when I when I like to think about discipline, I, I think to myself, every time you do something that you don't want to do, you're improving on your discipline and you're growing your discipline muscle. So I got to force myself to go out there and do things that I don't want to do. I know I'm just, I'm 1% better every time I do that. Because the average man is going to say, ah, you know what? I don't feel like training today. Probably mm -hmm. skip the session. Or I don't feel like finishing this project. Or I don't feel like studying today. Or I don't feel like doing this. But that's why the average is the average. Consistency is also an element of that, Kendall. Mm -hmm. Consistency, you yeah. commitment, and focus. Have you ever come across setbacks or failures that you've had to reflect back on and maybe challenge your thinking towards certain practices or think more critically about what you're doing to to become better is there anything from that experience because you mentioned London and I presume there might have been setbacks in terms of what you set out to achieve did anything kind of spring to mind within that process and anything that you struggled with during that process of of being being a boxer yeah, throughout my career, you know, I I think underestimation has always been something that is underestimation, something that kind of always got to me. You know, I would, I guess, be a bit overconfident, underestimate things and shift into certain fights and whatnot, feeling like, hey, cool, you know, you're the top of the world right now. But there's always that space to get better. Right. There's always that space to improve. And I got to learn that throughout my career because every time I took a, a step up in competition, I knew that, all right, cool. I need to train a bit more. I need to put in this extra hour. I need to put in this extra drill. So just being able to put in that extra bit of work and learning from there's 
always, always, always room for improvement is something that I got to learn over my career. Because when I thought I was cool, I'm at the peak. No, there's still a lot more to go. So just constantly thinking that improvement, constantly saying never peak, the best is yet to come is a mindset that I definitely implemented and and got to learn over uh, my career. Also got to learn through business, you know, definitely just always improvement. There's always space to pay tremendous attention to detail and tighten up ship. Was there anyone that stood out in terms of being a mentor for you within your um, playing days and even today? Because I can imagine that there's a lot of transferable skills from what you've talked about from being a professional athlete into your career pathway today. Is there anyone that stands out, anyone on reflection that you've learned from and and applied some of their skills within your practice um, in terms of being inspired and um, trying to be the best you can be? Yeah, first and foremost, I would definitely have to say my my former boxing coach. You know, he's a former U.S. Marine. This guy was just he was on point with everything, like our level of organization, our level of discipline, our level of dedication. It was just a whole nother level. And I got to learn so much of those experiences from him, you know, just tracking everything, just knowing every single thing. That's going to happen being in control of most things and or, or and executing on the things that we can be in control of. So I would definitely have to say my first Boston coach, you know, he, he he's taught me so much just from understanding level, understanding organization, you know, just just dialing in on everything that we need to, everything that we can control. You know, we take the biggest advantage of everything that we can be in control of you know so he was a huge mentor for me especially from you know the the mental standpoint because again that's you know I was in young you know teens going into 20s your ego is like sky high but you know he always taught me that be humble have humility have that white belt mentality where you can always learn more but always be on point, know everything that's going to happen or for the most part and execute on the things that you can control throughout my sport and career. Right now, I got a, quite a few mentors um, in this stage of life, especially with business like uh, Bedros Koulian is a huge mentor of mine. I get to listen and learn a lot from him. You know, business, he is super successful um, just as a man. He's a savage of a man. I get to, you know, be around these guys that hold me to a super high standard. So the Bedros, is a, he's a great mentor for me. I have another mentor, Steve Eckert, former U.S. Marine, Ray Cash Care, former Navy SEAL. Um, these guys are just guys that hold very high standards and and definitely hold a huge mentorship role in my life. In terms of um, those coaches and being inspired, do you ever, did you ever come across a period where exhaustion or tiredness would creep into your journey? And the reason I say that is... Um, you mentioned Navy SEALs and their practices and how they can try and align to sport. And it is very consistently tough. It's consistently um, draining in terms of mentality and performing at that elite level, whether you're uh, at the highest end of performance, you kind of go through peaks and and spells where you have to maybe consider uh, your mental state and maybe taking rest at certain periods. Did Did that ever come across within your career where, um, it became too much and you had to maybe reevaluate and take breaks and kind of consider what you were doing and refresh and kind of go back and, and grind it out 
again if, if that makes sense yeah no it makes complete sense and i'll give you a uh i'll give you a good story here when i got into sport triathlon thereafter boxing the the european champion said to me he said you banks you can only train as hard as you can recover and that hit me like Shit, that makes so much sense, you know, because I would be getting out there and we'd just be hammering sessions, hammering sessions, hammering sessions. And, you know, that's the way I was trying to close the gap because I was in a completely different sport operating at, a, again, another high level. And I was not thinking about my recovery, right? So, you know, he put that across me. Hey, you can only train as hard as you can recover. And when I started to implement that and it clicked on me, I said, yeah, you know, that is, I mean, this is something that I, should know anyways right but it just you know i was just being young and driving forward forget about it so that clicked to me big time and that allowed me and my performance to be so much better because i took that downtime for the body but also i took that downtime for my mind and being able to refresh my mind again something that i do in business here too you know i i love to just push and hammer and run through walls in business but i make sure that i take that downtime because cool i can't be on running through a wall 24 7 i need the recovery time my mind needs it my body needs it right unless you know you're gonna break down eventually do you, do you feel that's missed a little bit in terms of elite performance or performance in general where we see success and we visualize success as being a certain thing but when we think of the, the holistic view of performance it's kind of taking rest, talking about mental well-being, talking about other factors around maybe psychologically or, or even biologically. Um, do you think that's something that that element is something that's kind of missed sometimes because maybe if we are training to be an Olympian and we show masculinity and we don't want to maybe show that we're weak or we're injured or we're kind of feeling a little bit fatigued. Um yeah. It's intrigued. I'm intrigued on that because I think sometimes that we limit ourselves within that area. Yeah. I think us as high performers, right? We have a very one track mind. If it was up to us, our train would just keep running forward. But this is where I think a team comes in so great into the picture because as a high performer, you just want to just operate to dominate. You want to run through the wall. You just want to go straight forward. But that's where that team comes around and is able to say, you know what? Cool. It's not just about training today. Today is a recovery day, right? Today is a relaxing day. Today is time to refresh the mind. Today is time to bring the body back for a bit, right? That's where the team comes into play. Because again, like I said, a high performer just wants to go one direction and that's only plan A, right? So that team will definitely help with that. And I think it's such a... I think it, it very much has improved, especially nowadays, you know, maybe you know, we're 2023, you know, and we, we're, we're in a much different time where these things are focused on a lot more, right? Performance is also how good you can recover. So definitely, I think it's, it's focused on a lot more, you know, 10 years ago, not even long ago, you know, it just be hammered to the wall. That's it. You mentioned ego earlier in the conversation. I'm intrigued on how you you dealt with ego in terms of transitioning to other career pathways. And the reason I say that is that some sports people that I've spoke to, um, whether that's um, within soccer, whether that's in other disciplines, they do struggle in terms of that transferability. Um, mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they have to maybe think about the skills that they have. And uh, sometimes their ego is impacted within that. 
uh, I'm intrigued on how that might have impacted you in terms of that transition. And uh, you said to stay humble and stay stay um, uh, stay calm in terms of your your feelings, etc., towards certain uh, extrinsic things that was apparent potentially in your career. Yeah, I think there's two two <clears throat> sides to the ego coin, right? Because ego can be a very good thing. Ego, ego can be a very bad thing right during the career you know you have to have that ego you have to believe in yourself you got to think in your head i am the best right i'm like if you're not thinking that then you're putting yourself in the wrong position you got to think you're the best you can't think you're less than that but that, at the same time you have to have the humility to say there is a space for me to grow right and you got to be able to shift that you know, into all other aspects of life, you know, me in business now or anything else that I get into, you know, yes, my ego is still there. My ego and my pride is what allows me to want to be the best and want to drive forward and want to always improve. But again, you got to have the humility side of that, of that ego, because if you don't, then you're just living in a dream where you're living in a delusion that, you know, I know it all. I can't get any better. Because your ego is telling you that. And all of us, man, our ego is going to say that to us. We are the very best. But we got to have that humility also at the same time to, you know, be able to improve more, be able to bring it back for a second. Hey, there may be somebody out here that's better than me that I can learn from, that I can improve with. But at the same time, to answer the second part of your question, when you go into something completely different, you can go from being, you know, one of the best in the world at something and your ego is way up there and you got to make that transition, let's just say out of your career into a brand new career business now, you know, it's almost like starting over. So you, again, you got to know how to manage going from here to starting over again, right? And it's it's a fun journey at the same time, but when you're going from up top, then got to start over. It, it it does mess with your ego because you're used to just being up there, you know, but it is what it is. You know, you just got to learn how to manage it, take it on as a challenge, say, hey, new career, new journey. It is what it is. I'm starting from scratch. Let's let's rock and roll. So your ego will push you to improve in that too. So as again, as I said, there's two sides to the ego coin. Have the same mindset going into business uh, like you did when you were working in a bank and you wanted to be an Olympian, was that kind of the same uh, thought process there? Oh yeah, that hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because, you know, during, during my career, I lived with the Cubans, you know, the, the best team in the world. And these guys are amazing, you know? And so you have to have that mindset of, Hey, I'm here to get an Olympic medal. I'm here to make it to the Olympics. And, you know, I'll be telling all, all my teammates and everything or telling my roommates of the Cubans, Hey, I'm going to take your Olympic medal. We're in La Finca, the national gym. But that's our conversation, right? And that has to be a regular. So it, it, it becomes a natural pattern to you to operate at that standard. So yes, when you when I shifted into business or shifted out of my career, I should say, or in anything else, yeah, that's the natural standard that I would operate at. Hey, I want to be the best in this. It's no different. <clears throat> I want to be the best in sport. Well, of course, I want to be the best in business, too. If I was a garbage man, I want to be the best garbage man there. So it, it, it doesn't matter where, where it's at. So, yeah, that transition, it just it just flew over to the next thing. You mentioned the Cubans. Talk to me about the kind of cultural aspect of, of training um, and, and kind of, I think sometimes you, I, th I think whether this is sport or whether this is maybe life in general is that you're a product of your own environment. So if you are maybe training or if you're working or have 
thoughts and ideas and you are surrounded with people that may potentially not may not potentially stretch those ideas i think you kind of get stuck in a way and i think if you explore different cultures and different methods it kind of broadens your horizon a little bit was that similar to you in terms of you going to other cultures other countries and performing and and learning from other people oh a hundred percent because Iron sharpens iron. I say all the time, you need to be around like-minded individuals. You need to be around individuals that are also better than you. Reason why, it's going to allow you to grow. It's going to stretch your comfort zone. And the only way you can grow is by stretching your comfort zone. So you got to put yourself in a challenging place. You got to put yourself around other individuals that's thinking high level. Because if you're thinking somebody that's okay with just skating by, that is the standard you're going to operate at. But when when you're around the best of the best, and the level and the standard is way up here, you got to rise to up there or you're gone. And it's as simple as that. So yeah, you know, you got to be around like-minded individuals. You got to have a high standard expectations for yourself and those around you and other people are going to hold you to that standard. That's how you're going to grow. And it was quite ruthless then. Ruthless kind of methods and, and thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it is, it is what it is, but you know, you want to, you you want to be the best. I mean, that's 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 the standard that you have to operate at. You know, you, there's a difference between high performers and the average man. You know, the average man is okay with skating by a high performer. It's gonna hold you to a high standard. It's gonna hold me to a high standard. We're gonna hold each other to high standards. But that is the only way we are gonna be the best, all right? Or improve or grow. How do you define success, Kendall? Uh, success for me is you know. Physically, you know, having the the health and body that I want, but also mentally, big time mentally is, you know, having that clarity of mind, having that peace of mind, having success up here, you know, also emotionally is also success for me, you know, not not living in turmoil and well, not living in emotional turmoil and financial also being able to have the freedom financially because I find you got to have all four of them. And that's what I consider success. I don't consider success just one thing, you know, like mm. say I got all the money in the world, but up here, I'm just completely going through chaos. No, I, I wouldn't consider that a success, you know. So got to be physically have the health, you know, got to be financially have that freedom. Emotionally, I'm living good. I'm happy. I'm joyful. I'm peaceful. You know what I mean? And mentally, I'm stable. I'm okay. I'm great. That's what I define as success. Do you think people find that a challenge to balance those four because i think from what i'm gathering from our conversation you're quite self-aware and i think sometimes people can be quite narrow-minded around success so you mentioned money it's or you mentioned i think more extrinsic factors of how much of this can i get and they kind of forget the spiritual mental physical elements of life i I, how how do you kind of balance all four well i can say right that in my 20s, I wouldn't even have thought about this. I would have considered success in my 20s just financial yeah. or or just getting to the Olympics or getting an Olympic medal. I would consider that just that, you know. But here in my 30s now, I got the opportunity to learn again from my mentors that I mentioned earlier. You know, it's not just about, hey, just the financial because, yes, many guys out there or many people out there that financially fit but mentally struggling, Right. Or they may have the family, but don't got the finances to maintain the family. 
or got the finances, don't got the fitness, can't even walk up the stairs or in, in the hospital every weekend. So I got to learn the balance of focusing on family, fitness, finance, and faith. Right. And when I say faith, I don't necessarily mean religion, but I mean, you know, faith in self and what you think, what's going on up here and everything, what's going on in here. And in my 30s now, I'm able to say, wow, you know, those are the four pillars that you can hold a house up on. If you only got one pillar that can't hold a house up, it's going to crumble somewhere. But if I can have all four pillars and I can create that balance, then I'm living a much happier life because I got my family. I got my fitness, I got my finances, and I have that faith in myself. And I can maintain a structure and a house on that. Anything else, the house is eventually going to fall over. What What do you think of substance use um, in terms of that mentality element? Um, and the reason I say this, Kendall, is people might be listening to this and might not necessarily be within sport, but they might have... They might watch or listen to this podcast because they feel that they can maybe apply some of the conversations that we we discuss into everyday life um, and people might be in a position where they're stuck and they're kind of masking pain through alcohol drugs and other factors along those lines and um, especially in the UK it's very common uh, within distract distracting the mind if that makes sense um, any thoughts on that in terms of having that mentality because uh, again as mentioned from our conversation and being an Olympic and a and a, and a businessman, you have to have strong traits in terms of mentality. I'm intrigued on how you might think about distractions and other areas that could impact someone's personality and 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 life. Yeah, brother, I, this is this is a very very important one because this is the part of conversation that we didn't get into, right? When we were offline here, me in my life, I hit a rock bottom in my life after my boxing triathlon career. I no longer had direction. I no longer had purpose because I was used to just training, you know, that, that was my full-time job. Train, compete, recover. That's it. So thereafter, I had nothing, right? I didn't know the direction. I didn't have any purpose. So what I did was I filled the voids with partying, with drinking, with drugs, right? And eventually, yes, it was fun when I started, but then it got to a place where it got out of control because what happened was I was just trying to fill voids. So vices then took over my life. And I can say that those those vices, they are majority of the time when you're trying to fill that void, it's going to be with some negative things, right? And, you know, I, I got to the position where, you know, losing the house and, you know, sleeping on a friend's sofa, you know, completely hitting rock bottom through you know, vices in my life do not have a purpose, do not have a direction. And, you know, it, it, so I would say with those things, man, always got to have vision, always got to have purpose, always got to have direction because we will try to fill the voids with drugs, with alcohol, with whatever it is that are our vices, right? So we always got to make sure that we, we stay on top of that and notice, hey, I need to be a master of my vices. I need to fill these voids. I can't ever let the vices be a master of my life because sooner or later, I will. it will spiral out of control, right? And you'll end up at rock bottom, as I did. You know, fortunately, I was I was able to come out of that rock bottom and take myself to, back to a very successful place. But, you know, that's what happens when you don't have purpose, when you don't have direction. You're always going to try to, you know, fill the void with the vices, 
How did you come out of that situation, Kendall? How, how did that happen? So for me, it was, again, putting myself around my current mentors. I went through something called the MDK project. And, you know, that put a lot of purpose back in my life. So that was just, you know, 75 hours just physically dialing in, just mentally dialing in. And, you know, you, you make it through that 75 hours, you become part of that brotherhood, right? But during that 75 hours, you dial into so many other aspects of it, you know, from the, the faith side of things, or let me refer to it as the spiritual side of things. Uh, you go into a lot of emotional side of things. Um, I won't speak too much into the project. I don't want to give too much information here, but making it out through that, I became the honor man of my class, right? So I'm amongst a bunch of other savages of men. And again, I'm still on my class. I'm wearing the hat right now for the project. And we constantly got to be staying up to date with each other. We got to, we make sure that iron is sharp and iron, we hold each other accountable. We're supporting each other. So we're always driving towards purpose and direction and always trying to accomplish and do more. So <clears throat> how I got out of that rock bottom that hole, I said, the pain was too much for me. And I said, no more. I, I don't want to live this life anymore. So I was willing to do whatever I had to do to take myself out of there. And fortunately for me, that was the MDK project. And from there, it has just been all uphill for me, just continuing to climb and climb and climb and produce more success because why I am purpose driven. I'm constantly producing challenges in my life to grow and stretch my comfort zone. And I have a community of like-minded men around me that are also operating on a very, very high standard. We holding each other accountable. We're pushing each other, iron and sharpening iron. And that's what we stay on on a daily basis. 24 hours at a time, we are conquering the day. It's, it's not a point that I'm ever like floating around like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life right now? I'm, I know where I'm going. I have my vision. Two years from now, I know where I'm going to be. Accountability is key then within that practice. Definitely, definitely. And community is, community. It's just like when you're in sport, right? And you got a team, even though boxing, you're in the ring by yourself, you still train with a team, but that team holds you to a certain standard, right? They hold you accountable. You are part of my team. I'm not going to have a bum on my team. You better operate at the highest standard, yeah. right? Same thing. What are the lessons learned from, from that, uh, that group that you're part of? How do you, how do you view partying and alcohol and, and that now is it do you have a complete flipped nature or do you still for example have the odd drink uh, i'm intrigued on how you see that now because obviously it's in your past and caused you damage and harm yeah i mean to each his own to each his own but i me i have not drank nor done drugs in in um roughly about two years of two years plus now so for me, it's not it's not something that I will ever dig back into because I know where I ended up in my life. Plus, you know, I think about things like alcohol, for example. I think that, hey, there's a point in my life where I felt like I needed a drink, right? And what was that to do? It could have been, hey, I was at a party. I need a drink. I need a little bit of liquid confidence. But when I can produce what I produce right now, no alcohol completely sober, this is 100% me. This is no liquid confidence. This is not an off and on switch. This is constantly on. Right. So that's what I think about in regards to, you know, like the alcohol and stuff. It's not something that I need in life. And, you know, the drugs and stuff. Yeah, cool. You have a good time. You have a party. But that spirals out of control eventually. You know, for me, I was partying three, four nights at a time. You know, I'm a high performer. Anything I do, if I do 
bad, I'm going to do fucking great at doing bad. If I do good, I'm going to do great at doing good. So even with the drugs and alcohol, you know, I would perform three, four nights, boom, out of time, benders straight on. So for me, I would always say that it's not something that I would ever have in my life again, because the level of joy and happiness and peace and success that I'm at now, completely sober, is 10 times over. 10 times over it is there's no comparison so why would it be needed in my life mm-hmm. and i can tell people uh, that are listening too you know when you can produce you know that same level of confidence that same higher success you know i can i can bet for you because i'll tell it for my life my life is a hundred x over since being completely sober hundred x over you know, I was I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, you probably know this better than me, but it's it was a DJ from Liverpool. Um, he's sober now and he was kind of saying the same thing. You know, his life is, you know, a hundred times better since being sober. I wish I could remember his name right now. I'll have to send it to you offline. Yeah, yeah, please do. I think um I think also as well, it goes back to that point of you're a product of your own environment. And I think in the UK pub culture and alcohol culture is normalized very much and i can imagine that being the same case in the us and i think also people probably know people probably knew who you were kendall and people may have used you in terms of your status and your your uh, environment and what what you did in the past and how that is kind of uh attractive today in terms of the environment that you you found yourself in within those parties or those um uh yeah enjoyable atmospheres did you, did you ever find yourself maybe reflecting and going hang on a minute like i don't know these people anymore i've got no alignment with these people anymore and it kind of changes your perception i suppose yeah for sure for sure for sure um i'm down here in the caribbean so down here it's like it's it's a party all the time you know what i mean it's a party all the time down here in the caribbean and, and yes yeah coming from my background you know i've been all over the world been in, been around a bunch of awesome people you know operate at a high level and a lot so a lot of people do know me down here in the caribbean so it hey it's easy to find a party it's easy to be in the midst of a party and you know i lived that life for a a period of time and you know stepping out of that life yeah you know i had to change the people i hung around with i had to change my environment because i knew if i'm in certain environments what certain environments bring so I just it's as simple as this. I just had to remove myself from the scenario, remove myself from certain friends. And that's just the way it is. Because yeah, as you said it earlier, you are a product of your environment. You know, I can't expect to go into certain places and like have on blinders. No, I'm just not gonna put myself in the in the environment. Simple as that. And that's what you gotta do sometimes. I'm just not gonna put myself in the environment. What um in terms of you, you kind of mentioned your long-term aims and objectives. Um what advice would you would you give to people that are that might have long term goals and long term aims, but they are uh, they're grinding it out at the minute and they don't necessarily see the the instant gratification as we kind of uh, alluded to just then, um, yeah. and and more of a kind of a delayed gratification in terms of better outcomes and better better um, feelings of of inner success. Um, what would you consider? In terms of advice around persistence and how would you maybe give some key characteristics within that for for, for listeners? Yeah, this is a tough one, but I, I love that one because, you know, naturally we want that 
immediate gratification. It feels nice. It feels sweet. It feels good to, you know, have that quick burst right there. But honestly, man, it, it, honestly, you just got to have that patience. So that patience is, it, it's a tough one, but it is a skill that you have to develop. It is a muscle that you have to grow that patience muscle. And trust me, it's hard for me because I'm a very impatient man. I want, I want things right now. But, you know, you, you just got to understand, like, cool, you know, sometimes you just have to have the patience to allow things to happen in its time. Yes, do not sit back and say, cool, I'm going to just let things flow. No, yes, you got to put in the work every single day. And if you put the work in, the results will come. That's just the main part you got to remember. That if you put the work in, the results will come. No, it's not going to happen overnight because nothing good happens overnight. But you just got to give yourself the time, got to give yourself the place and realize that, yes, I am closing the gap on my goals once I stay consistent, once I stay committed, once I stay focused. And I just need to have patience from there because I'm putting in the work and I'm closing the gap every single day. Nothing good comes easy. And yes, we would all love it overnight. But again, I've said nothing good comes easy, right? Why, why do you think that's a trait that you're not patient? I, I'm I'm similar, Kendall. I'm not patient at all. And it's something that I've had to learn over time. Do you know? Yeah. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you think that's, that's something that we feel? You know, I, I believe that comes from, uh, you know, just being a visionary, man. Just be, being an ego, just always wanting to drive forward and always wanting to create more and always wanting to do more you know that impatience happens because hey i want it right now yeah. uh, i want to execute and i want to dominate right now but yeah I, I just believe it comes from you know just being that ego and being that visionary that's where i think it comes from you know because people have different personality traits you know where they'll some people be a little bit more analytical and you know they'll be they're able to go through the numbers and look at the risk assessments and uh you know let me take my time with this some people are just visionary and egos and just let's go. I don't I don't care. I want to go right now. <laughs> um, final question, Kendall. Uh, and what I normally do is I, I'm going to ask you two questions within this because what I normally do on this podcast is I get guests to look back on their career and also and also look forward. And I think what I tend to do is pick one out of the two. But I, I'm going to give you the opportunity to. To, to have two questions here um so if you were to reflect back on your career and your journey would would there be anything that you do differently and in terms of going forward what do you want to kind of leave as a legacy and what are your long-term aims when you retire and you mentioned you're in the caribbean and you kind of put your feet up and can see life out in the beautiful sunset is there anything that you kind of got in mind in terms of longevity there and also what you want to maybe leave as, as kind of your, your legacy? So two bold questions, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good questions. I love it. I love it. Um, In regards to my career, honestly, brother, I wouldn't change anything in my career. I think my career set the path for where I am today. I like to say a lot of times, I wish what I knew now, I wish I knew in my 20s or my teens, but my mentor always says it to me the right way. Ebanks, you did it in the right way. You had to eventually hit that rock bottom to have the success that you have right now, right? Probably mm -hmm. at a time you mightn't have been able to handle success that you have now. So in my career, I wouldn't change anything. I'll leave that all the same. Those were all experiences that I needed to have in order to learn from and grow from and be where I am today. So now going forward, I like to call this the dash in life, right? 
from where we were born. Now it's the dash. No numbers on the end yet. So what am I going to create during this dash? You know, I want to be able to create impact. I want to be able to create influence. So here in the Cayman Islands, I have, I want to be able to help former athletes not fall into the rut and hole that I fell into and that, that rock bottom, because it happens so many athletes that happens to you know they're after their career have no purpose have no direction they fall into a real shithole happened to me firsthand so i know it so i want to be able to provide a space that i can help athletes get out of that or high performance get out of that also i want to be able to help the youth i'm a big believer in the youth so i have a um a kids program here you know i, I call it future stars foundation um kids program here where the youth here, they get to train completely free at my gym um, because I want to be able to give them something to work towards. Right. So they get their fitness in um, and they'll get their boxing and everything. And then like every six weeks, <laughs> I like to do something with them called a master training where, you know, they'll get to speak to one of the coaches that I have who was the trinidad national team one of the trinidad national team coaches 2016 rio olympics they get to speak to him and see where he's going in his life through the sport of boxing they get to speak to me where i'll get to speak to him about leadership mindset and also entrepreneurship i have a good friend of mine who's a teacher I get to teach him about academics um another trainer of mine that you know who's in prison at one point came out living an amazing life um successful career you know making good money got the whole shebang going for himself, be able to speak to him and also see, hey, this is what I can produce in fitness and bodybuilding and everything. So just really trying to create impact, create influence, and not just for adults, but also for kids. And from a business standpoint, I'm looking to take everything that I have here in the Caribbean. I want to take it over to West Palm Beach, Florida is my first stop and Canada, England, Australia. That's where I want to go. So we've wow. got the performance lab, recovery lab, and nutrition lab. Because I believe there's three avenues creating a great athlete, and you need all three. I look forward to that journey, Kendall. Um, and what we'll do is we'll put all the links to your website, and you mentioned um, the programs that you've got in the description. So if anyone's listening or watching, they can they can go and check that out. Um, for sure, for sure. In terms of your profile, Kendall, uh, social media, where can maybe listeners uh, and viewers find you? Instagram, yeah. Yeah, on my Instagram, I am the body architect. So the body underscore architect. You can find me right there on Instagram, on YouTube, FN Sports Cayman. You can find me right there, FN Sports Cayman. So yeah, just jump on and shoot me a message if needs be. I'm happy to catch up, chat with anybody, answer any questions, you know, and I enjoy doing this stuff. Excellent. Uh, from my personal perspective, Kendall, thank you for your time and good luck in the future. And uh, hopefully we can stay connected and uh, I'll follow your journey in terms of your pathway and uh, your experiences have been very insightful. So once again, thank you. Thank you very much. Much appreciated, brother.